I have a few investors who back me multiple times um, and they say, hey, you, you did what you could. The company got sold. Yeah, we, we, we didn't lose as much, but, you know, and, and they say it's about the team. You know, and what I found is uh, it's less about the idea and more about the team because you take a good team, you take two good, a good team and a bad team, give them the same ideas and the good team will, will figure out how to pivot and be success. Welcome to Push To Be More with me, your host, Matt Edmondson. This is a show that talks about the stuff that makes life work. And to help us do just that today, I am chatting with Sean Salou from Sentinel Digital, a digital, about where he has had to push through what he does to recharge his batteries and well, what, what more looks like for Sean. Now the show notes and transcript from our conversation will be available on the website, pushtobemore.com. And on our website, you can also sign up for the newsletter. And each week we will email you the links along with the notes, all from the show, automatically they come direct to your inbox totally free. Now, this episode is brought to you by Orion Media, which helps business leaders set up and run their own successful podcast. You know what? I have found running my own podcast to be insanely rewarding. It opens doors to amazing people like nothing I have ever seen. I have built networks, made friends, and had a platform to champion my customers, my team, and my suppliers. And I think just about any entrepreneur or business leader should have a podcast because it's had such a huge impact on my own business. And of course, that all sounds great in theory, doesn't it? But there's gonna be problems like the setup, distribution, getting the tech right, knowing how to do the marketing. I mean, the list goes on. You see, I love talking to people, but I'm not a big fan of all that other stuff. And so Orion Media, they just kind of, they're like the backstage crew. They take it all off your plate, they make it all happen, uh, and they just spin their magic. I get to do what I'm good at, which is just chat to amazing people like Sean, uh, and they brilliantly take care of the rest. So if you're wondering if podcasting is a good marketing strategy for your business, do connect with them at orionmedia.com. That's A-U-R-I-O-N media.com. And we will, of course, link to them in the show notes as well. Okay, so that's the show sponsor. Let's talk about today's guest, Sean Salou, a pioneering figure in the realm of digital technology and a champion of innovative disruption. From his early beginnings as an aspiring tennis player, we're gonna get into all of this, Sean navigated his journey, overcoming personal challenges and forging a remarkable career in the tech industry. With 20 years under his belt in mobile, crypto and banking security, Sean was instrumental in creating one of the first first digital wallets on a credit card. As a seasoned CEO, he's contributed to the success of several tech startups and his portfolio boasts the odd unicorn as well, which if you don't know, uh, is a privately held startup company that is now valued at over a billion dollars, which is, you know, it's a fair few quid, isn't it? Uh, Sean is now pouring his knowledge and his passion into the future of digital banking. He's on a mission to revolutionize the sector with B2B digital wallets and digital identity systems. Away from work though, you'll find Sean sailing the seas or climbing mountains, uh, just another testament to his adventurous spirit. And he is here, no doubt, the peak of his career uh, on the Push To Be More podcast. Sean, great to see you, man. Thanks for joining us. How are you doing? Very good, very good. I wouldn't say peak, 
but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry to let you down, Matt, but no. <laughs> the entrepreneurs, you know, we're, we're always optimistic. The, the peak is just just across, you know, just over the bend. The next Yeah, one. that's right. Up that's right. Now, speaking of the word entrepreneur, I had an email, like literally a few seconds before the call from Sadaf, who's the show's producer. And Sadaf said, uh, sent me an email where you talk about this word entrepreneur. What, just, what was what was that all about? Yeah, well, well, people say, "Oh, you're 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 an entrepreneur." You know, when when I tell them a little bit about some of the things I've done, you know, who've you worked for? Well, I've spent most of my time working for myself and other like-minded people. But I, I've always used the word entrepreneur. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, you know how you have kids and they, they sometimes pronounce can't quite pronounce things. Well, it just popped into my head one day that I'm, you know, you you deal with a lot of shit as an entrepreneur, whether it's you're making the coffee mm-hmm. or getting the investors or selling the first product, fucking <laughs> product or shit, it doesn't work. And so you're always thinking, oh shit, this is going wrong, that's going wrong. Yeah. And so on, I found like I found the word entrepreneur, you know, it, it kind of like entering the manure. You're in it. it, it it's almost <laughs> a better description. It both is plus and minus. Is you know, entrepreneur sounds very. Uh, very fanciful, I think, in a way. Yeah, entrepreneur. I, and the funny thing was, as soon as I read it, Sean, I knew exactly what you were talking about. I mean, it, yeah. it takes, having been around the block a few years myself, uh, it didn't take uh, much imagination to figure out. <laughs> what you, yeah. And I was just like, no, this is genius. I, I really like this as an idea. So so you've, you've been an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur and an entrepreneur. Uh, for for a little while. So before we get into your story, um, as you know, Sean, this show is sponsored by Orion Media, which is, you know, they help people set up podcasts. I'm kind of curious, if you had your own podcast and you could interview any guest, right, from the past or the present, and the only caveat is they've had to have had a big influence on your life, who would you, who would be your guest? Who would you interview and why? I, I thought a lot about that and I kind of have, uh, I kind of, uh, there's a personal choice, which would be my, uh, my great, uh, grandfather. Okay. Because I've never met him and he died way before I was, uh, I was born. Mm-hmm. He was a big patriarch in Italy, uh, you know, big landowner and he lived through some amazing times. He, he, he lived through fascism and it killed him. He was very anti-fascist. Uh, and he positioned himself against that, and they, they basically killed him. And his wow. uh, our, the ancestral lands became kind of the local Nazi headquarters. Oh wow! And, and so I'd be kind of curious to how, why he, you know, how he managed. You know, he was very loved by the people, and my mother would tell me stories of during the Great Depression, although the people came on his land, came to live on his land because he treated everybody mm. very well, and it was one for all and all for one. So he was not a a tyrannical person. And I was kind of curious and I've always thought, you know, it's always inspired me, you know, to, to be like that, to, mm. uh, to just think like that. I think from a personal perspective, that would be very interesting for me. And, yeah, and the other yeah. person I would say has made a big impact on me, but I have just, I'm fascinated by is the queen. Um, okay. You know, she obviously re- recently died, but she's just been through everything in modern history, literally from the Victorian age, yeah, she she was there World War Two. You know, she was she was there in the eighties. She's lived through everything, but mm-hmm. she's been kind of above it all because 
governments would come and go. She knew what was really going on. She had access to all the best intel. She had best, better intel than most of the prime ministers and, and anybody in the world. Yeah. And she never had to worry about where her next meal was coming. She had no stress about, you know, that, those kind of things. And I, if she would be honest and open at an interview, you know, and, and couldn't hide behind political, I think she'd be amazing because she's yeah. seen it all. Everything major. She's met everybody. She can tell you who was really nice and who were faking. And she knew what, she knows what's really going on. You want to know what's going on in area 52? She'll know, right? So she just knew everything. <laughs> Every conspiracy she has, yeah. the truth about everything. And I think it would be fascinating to, because there's very few people in the whole world who have that kind of power, not a power, that access to information plus that longevity, mm. you know, for so many decades and, and, and not be the center of attention. And, yeah. And not yeah, be. I, yeah, I, I'm with you. I thought, um, I mean, you know, feelings of the monarchy aside, I, I am fascinated by the Queen yeah. um, and what she has lived through and what she has, what she's endured and what she's, what she's come through. And I think you're right. I think if you could get someone like the Queen to just talk openly and honestly, it would be one of the most fascinating conversations you would ever have, wouldn't it? Exactly. And, you know, politi politics aside, it's interesting because as an American, I'm, I'm not a royalist at all and the whole idea i remember when i first uh, moved to the uk and i was like you don't actually buy the land you leasehold it it's owned mm -hmm. by the crown so you know it's owned by some you know some royal in westminster it just that i you know that definitely turned me out so some of the politics of that but you're right kind of politics aside i think she would be i think she would be fascinating and she could you know she's met every everybody everybody else that's that, right possibly think of so yeah i, I think yeah, it would be, she has she was um, she was close to churchill wasn't she i mean you and you you go from churchill all the way through you know obama yeah. to uh, you know kennedy i mean all of these people that she met along the way and it would just be a really interesting conversation and i think you're right i think if you could if you could get that open and honest aspect of it yeah wow because you what could did read you a really of, think about, you know, dot, dot, you dot, read dot. a book about Churchill, but you know, you're going to get it from the autobiographer's opinion mm. and, and the, the, the whitewashing, you know, the good parts, they'll probably yeah. dump the bad part, but the queen knew him personally, but also knew the good and the bad, right? Knew yeah. the shortcomings because she had to deal with him both politically, you know, and, and, and probably most people in history, you know, like you, you read my bio, her, the. You know, if she was meeting me, the bio she would get would have all, you know, all the kinks, both good. She would really know, mm. you know. So, yeah, yeah I think no, it would be fascinating. fascinating. And what do you think of, I mean, you're, you said, you're, you know, your grandfather was an anti-fascist in Italy at the time where fascism was rife um, and good on him, you know, and he, it cost him by the sound of it. You know, the ancestral land was sort of was taken away. Um, I assume that never came back to the family. Uh, it came back to s some members of the family, uh, not all of it and not, you know, uh, it, 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 there was, there were definitely some issues around, around it, but yeah, mm. it did, it did kill him. They, they killed him. And one of my mother's last memories of is kind of jumping in, jumping in the, uh, you know, in the coffin and not wanting to leave. She, she was too young to really understand death. Um, right. so it, it was definitely moving on her and she passed, uh, passed on that. Yeah. But. 
I think there's houses now on most of they they built condos. Oh wow. Well, wow. I'm benefited, but you know, it obviously it took a lot of time and it definitely caused a lot of a lot of pain. Yeah, and I I kind of sit here and I think I again, I mean it if I could speak Italian now, I suppose it would help. But again, I would love to, I'd love to, I'd love to sit down with people like that and go, what drove you? What, what caused you to stand up for what was right, despite the cost? You know, what, what was it, that value inside you that, that, that caused you to pursue that? It yeah. really fascinating, really fascinating conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be very, it'd be very interesting because it, he, it, he was, you know, he was kind of, he he ran his own property, you know, not a business, but in some ways it was running that much land with people, you mm-hmm. know. And I think I'd like to think I've inherited some of his natural, you know, ability to to understand people and to like people. I mean, that that's one of the things I like about being on, you know, an entrepreneur. It's a, part of it is, is you spend a lot of time with people, whether you're raising money, selling mm-hmm. products, or thinking or cooking ideas with good people. You know, one of yeah. the things when I used to live in San Francisco. Um, I'm a London Business School grad, and we used to meet a bunch of us, the CEOs used to meet regularly to just chat about things, you know, and sometimes we'd help each other out. But just chatting with other people that you know, didn't have an agenda, weren't investors, yeah. I found that that really useful. And, and I think, you know, and I'd like to think from meeting some of my, you know, family members, the Italian side of my family and, and other parts of the family, I'd like to think that besides my height, that's one of the things I, I think I've been inherited that just he must have been very good very good with people you mm. know to to have that kind of love and and uh you know and to to manage the expectations of all that you know authority not coming from uh, power not coming from the church or the state but mm. just the personality and the fairness of it and, and i think yeah. those feudal systems not not feudal but you know, those those farming systems or, or you know italy and and I, I think it's just, it's just fascinating because it's not like you had uh, the power, you know, it, it mm. was different. It was a different yeah. kind of entrepreneurship in a way. Yeah, no, it was. I, it'd be a spectacular story. So was it your great-grandfather's story then that sort of kick-started your entrepreneurial drive, do you think? Or is, 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 is the route somewhere else? I think uh, the roots initially were, uh, were just, just with my own family. Um, my parents have, you know, or probably a way overeducated between them. They hold like three or four doctorates combined. Oh, uh, and uh, I think they got a little bit, I would say, disenfranchised with, with uh, the academic world and the mm. system. And so my father went into, went into business and, you know, went bust a couple of times uh, over the course of my life. And so I kind of saw that, you know, that I, I really like the thinking and the security of academia and ideas. You know, I love, mm. I lived most of my life in college towns where you were meeting people from all over the world. They were there to learn. It was open. It was you know, most of them very liberal in some ways um, and a lot of ways. And so, but then I like then the tech side of it, you know, and, and, and then taking these ideas and then getting them out into the world where academic yeah. is all about writing a book and writing a paper and getting published. To me, that felt like a waste of time. Like, if it's a really good idea, you should get it out in the world. And I realized mm. I wanted to work with the people with the good ideas and find the good ideas and then take them to the world. You know, so to me, the measure of success was not how you were published or how famous you became, but, you know, your product is out there. The measure of success then for you is 
is a, a product that is out there that is that that is doing something i guess that has some kind of impact or yes yes okay i mean obviously a part of the impact <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, this would be a very short interview, Sean. <laughs> I've gotten older, you know, it has to have more of a positive effect. First time, wow, this is a great idea. We could make a lot of money if we did this. Mm. There's a hole in the market, you know. But, uh, but as I've gotten older, it's like, yeah, but I want to be the best in the world at it. I want somebody to go, ah, oh, he might not have gotten rich from doing what he did. But he was there. He was the early guard, you know, and early stuff from the internet and even just, you know, I saw digital wallets back in the late nineties. Um, mm. I said, oh my God, this is the future. You know, people can move money. I can walk up to you. And, and then this was kind of before there were phones, before there were yeah. phones. And I said, oh, it was a chip, a chip and pin on a card. And our card could talk to your card. If you put it in a phone, my phone can talk. This is the future. So mm -hmm. I, I saw that and I, I worked really hard at it, you know, saying, wow, this is the future, and, you know, and uh, in jumping on the jumping on the ideas and really uh, developing them, you know, and saying mm. some of them were my ideas and some of them were other people's. But uh, the, the goal was to, to, you know, to see that idea come to come to fruition. And I think like with with blockchain and, and crypto, you know, it's really hitting hitting the mainstream now. Mm. So the. So the, the, the tech industry that you got into then, you saw the digital wallets in the late 90s. And it sounds like a, quite a bit before a lot of people saw the, the possibility of those. Um, and you've, you've been in the industry since then working with that. And we read in your bio, you know, you've been involved in some quite, quite Goliath of, you know, startups. Um, what's, what's been some of the challenges that you've faced along the way on that journey? Because it, it sounds like a pretty impressive journey and I imagine it wasn't all smooth sailing. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's hard to know. Uh, I think the biggest challenge is there are more good ideas out there than there are people to execute. Right. So <laughs> such a great answer. Yeah. I'm, I've come across some amazing people and I've come across some amazing ideas and I'm like, wow, if only you could put the two together and. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look at the successful companies, it's a lot less about the idea than the people execute, right? Yeah. Some of these people, you know, if you look at even, you know, Apple and, 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 and you know, Microsoft, Jobs, good example, and uh, mm. well, the founder of Microsoft, um, you know, Bill Gates, he didn't come up with the ideas. He basically mm. took them from the lab uh, uh, in California where he had access to. IBM paid for a lot of it, those ideas, but he mm -hmm. saw, oh my God, look, this is the mouse and he could do this and the processor, this is the software. He saw it and he was able to pull it out, put it together and run with it, where the mm -hmm. people who were inventing it didn't even see, didn't even see it. What was he, what was it famously said? Yeah, I think PCs are great. There's going to be a need for a hundred of them in the world, right? <laughs> people, people missed. So. Yeah. You know, seeing that, and, and you don't always make the right decisions. Like hindsight, if I, I look at all the ones, you know, I, I, I'm lucky enough to have been involved with two or three, you know, unicorns, some when they were 10 people, some when they were 30 people, um, you know. And, but I, I think I, I often lose, I wouldn't say lose sleep, but I think about the ones I missed. Like I had a chance to invest in ringtones, right? When I was uh, doing the mobile stuff, uh, I was, I obviously would, I was investing people's, you know, I was working for mm. Gemplot, which was seeing a lot of stuff happening in mobile telco. And then these guys came, oh yeah, 
you know how your phone, you, your ringtone, we can put a music a song and everybody can load their song. I said, who the hell is going to pay 99 cents for, for, to, to listen to, you know, it wasn't Taylor Swift, but you too on your, on your phone. Like mm. what, that's crazy. Bad idea. So I, I, that's when I passed, I passed on, I, I could have made a lot of money doing that. And I actually, mm. uh, years later, I met the guy who said, that's a great idea, you know, and he has a much bigger house. <laughs> right. So, so it's hard to know which ideas, but mm. as I've gotten older, you know, the hardest thing is always picking the idea and then raising, raising the money because as an entrepreneur, you always, you know, early days, you want to put in your own money and you, you want to double down. But you have to realize that even the venture capitalists, the successful ones, the famous ones that you know that have the big yachts, they only yeah. have to hit one out of every 10. Yeah. But as an entrepreneur, if you hit one out of every 10, you know, it, it's tough. You, you yeah, know, it and they're very, yeah. I have a few investors who backed me multiple times. Um, and they say, hey, you, you did what you could. The company got sold. Yeah, we, we, we didn't lose as much, but, you know, and, and they say it's about the team. You know, and what I found is, uh, it's less about the idea and more about the team because you take a good mm. team, you take two good, a good team and a bad team, give them the same ideas and the good team will, will figure out how to pivot and be success. The other thing is a lot of entrepreneurs don't realize is it's never the first idea, you know, that makes you mm. the billion. Yeah. Right. It's where you are two years down the line when you've been working at it and suddenly you go, oh my gosh, because we have this, we have something else. Like look at Amazon. I mean, the, the, their shipping makes very little money. You know what makes the money is AWS services, which they yeah. just said, oh, we're building all these services. We might well open them up to outside. That's where they're making all their money. Right. And you say, well, that, that's brilliant. But, you know, that they stumbled upon that. And yeah. most companies I know, if you look at what they started off as, it's not what they ended up as. Mm -hmm. That's so powerful. I like that. Never the first idea that makes the billion. And it, and you're right, you know, and I, I think about my own business journey and where we, where we started and where we've ended up and where we will end up in a few years' time, I imagine are going to be quite different places, you know, and you, and you do stumble across these things. I remember, you know, the, at one time we had a beauty e-commerce website, you know, it was a pretty big website. We were selling millions online. And... Um, I, I remember joking with somebody once, you know, never once did I go into my school. And when, when I was at school, at high school, you, you talked to a careers advisor. That's what we called them, the careers advisor. Well, yeah, and, I uh, Yeah, yeah, trying to figure out what the right career was, you know, what the right pathway to take was. And never once did I sit down with that guy and think, you know what, I want to I want to sell beauty products. I want to be the king of beauty. It just did never. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Even, even when I was in it, I was still shocked that I was in it. And so um, it's quite it's quite fascinating that you that you say that, that actually the, there are these pivots, these changes that have to take place. Have you um, have you remained adaptable in that and not because if you have if you start with an idea and things seem to be changing, changing at a pace. How do you know when to sort of stick with with your guns and go, no, this is what we want, guys? And how do you know when to let go and, and change a little bit? That's really hard. It's a hard, hard one. Um, and I don't think I've always gotten it right. But I think it's, again, it's the people you're with. It's the team. Mm. You know, it, it, you have enough people that you trust around you that say, hey, maybe it's time to go left and <laughs> not right. Um, or, or, you know. Then you have to 
you know, even though it's not a, it's not a democracy, you know, it's a, mm. it's more of a dictatorship. You still have to listen to the people because they're, they're yeah. the team that wants you there. Not not always, and sometimes you know, they look back and say, "Hey, you were right," but you got you got to know which battles to pick. And, yeah. and I think you know, I think some of the most successful entrepreneurs, you know, like if you look at, you know, Bill Gates and stuff, they were very lucky when they started off. They had a really the team around them was pretty good. You know, some of them stuck with them to the end, right? And sometimes mm -hmm. it takes two or three versions. Same thing with music. You know, it takes two or three versions. Yeah. If a person leaves, this person comes. But when you have that team that can execute, you, you stick with them. You know, and if yeah. you look over the course, you know, I, I haven't really done an interview, like a job interview, even mm -hmm. between companies. You know, somebody will always call me and say, hey, you helped me out here or you did this. I saw you. Can you help me here? You know, and it's, it's because they know you, they know your work and whether you were successful or failed, they said, this is the right person for this job. And in your mind, yeah. when that opportunity opens, they'll come. And then you bring the same people. I've worked with you know, some of the key people in multiple jobs in various countries, in various parts of the world. Mm. You just bring them. You know. So have, have, is this some, is the team then something that you've kind of acquired over time uh, and built over time or is it, um, is it a case of when you start something new, you, you pretty much are starting from scratch again with the team? How, how have you dealt with that? No, I think most of the team, uh, well, it depends because there's usually subject matter experts. So mm. with Sentinel Digital, I took a, probably about half the team I'd worked with before in this space. And then half of it is like, hey, I need a CFO. I went through my Rolodex and I called four people that had been my CFO before that I could say, hey, here's the share options you're going to get. Here's the salary, you know. Can, you want to take a punt yeah. kind of thing. And they, they look at it and they, they don't, they kick the tires around, but it's like, Hey, if they have the time and they want to do it, they'll do it. And then half of it are new or like subject matter experts that, you know, so, some of the people like half the team I haven't worked with before, but I, I might've heard of them or somebody I know mm -hmm. has worked with them or they come recommended or, you know, they have 20 years at Goldman Sachs that are running, you know, scaling mm -hmm. Goldman Sachs back office. So you're like, hey, who do I want to scale my back office? Yeah. Somebody who knows how to do it. <laughs> you know. So if you look at some of the people associated with Sentinel Digital, um, you know, some of them have come, they met me at previous companies. Uh, mm. We have one guy who had a $13 billion budget. He spent more on banking technology than any single person in the world. So he now sits, he retired from uh, one of the world's largest banks, and now he sits on the board of other banks. They call him because he knows everybody in the industry. Right, he knows right. making tech because he spent thirteen billion a year uh, buying yeah, banking yeah. tech. Um, and so he looked at banking tech. He said, "Hey, I like what Sentinel's doing." Or this is previously, mm. uh, my previous company said, "Hey, I want to invest in your company because I've looked. At, I think this is the future too." And uh, there was not not an opportunity before I exited that company, but I kept that in mind when I started this one. I said, "Hey, listen, we're going to do this. We're we're going to take what we learned at another company, and do it a little bit better, and go after a different market." He said, "Hey, I'm in." You know. Um, and, and so that I hadn't worked with him before, but yes, we had, I spent a lot of time with him. He helped yeah. us raise money and he made some introductions that were extremely valuable. And so, yeah, yeah so I think it's kind of like the team, but it, it's hard to know. It, it, you can really only know in, in hindsight. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Cause listening to you talk, Sean, I think this is, uh, one of the benefits of getting older is actually your network expands and you meet more people. And actually, if you're half decent in your 20s and 30s at um, talking to people and building connections, 
Actually, that sets you up quite nicely for your 40s and 50s, I think, because you, you've got this sort of pool of people which you can draw on because you've met and uh, connected with along the way. And that kind of sounds like, you know, what you've been doing there. Yeah. And I think what, what, what when you're younger, you know, everybody really wants success. And it's more, it's more important, I think, to get competence in something, mm. you know, and to, to be good at something, whether it's music or whether it's business or art or, or programming or whatever, whatever it is, finding accounting, whatever it is. Yeah. If you, if you have a few expertise and you have passion about that, and then you meet a lot of people, you know, if I, you know, when I need a good accountant, I've got five guys that I know are good accountants that I trust. Yeah. You know, they might be available, but. You know, even in music, uh, I was I was making a video. I invested in a video game <laughs> years ago. Martial arts. I always wanted to do martial arts, and I, I got to meet Bruce Buffer. Uh, and we became business partners, and we launched a, a mobile fighting game years ago. Mm. And uh, before EA lured him away with a big paycheck uh, at yeah. the UFC. <laughs> but um, you know, and I needed to, you know, I needed to, somebody to do the music. Yeah. Right. Well, I, my wife, you know, I've been going to vacations with somebody who I knew was a very good composer, mostly classical music. And, um, I liked his music. And so, you know, I picked up the phone. I said, Hey, can you write music in this style? <laughs> you know, uh, a video game. So, oh, he goes, Hey, I've always wanted to do video games, you know? Um, and so it was just somebody I knew, you know, so it was luck for, for his perspective, mm -hmm. it was luck. Um, it was a number one game in like 20 countries for a while. Mm. I sold it to a Brazilian, a big Brazilian mobile games company um, to take it to the next level. And uh, so you could say it was luck, but, you know, I knew him and I knew he was competent. I knew, you know, he had had stuff produced by the BBC. And so it was, for me, it was safe. I didn't know anything about music. Yeah. You know, but I knew I could, this is somebody I could trust. And if he couldn't do it, I knew he, you know, he said, listen, I'm going to put 10 pieces. If you don't, I'll find you the right person because I know everybody. Yeah. And yeah. then there's a guy, you know, who's, who's uh, had a couple of hits that he's, yeah, he's on the a board of the big, one of the big music companies. You know, I just know that if I call him, he's not going to screw me. He's, I can trust him. He can, and he'll find me the right person. Right. Yeah. So in life, in your twenties and thirties, yeah, you might meet the right people and, and fall on and make a lot of money and do something. If you're, if you're honest, if you're hardworking mm -hmm. and you care about people, if you develop those good skills, they will pay off in the later because you know, people will call you some of the best jobs and the most money I've ever made. You know, it's because I worked for somebody, I, I did a yeah. project, you know, because one of my companies, we did a lot of consulting to pay the bills instead of finding okay. best battery research. We did some handheld battery tech. And so we were consulting to the VCs that were investing money into companies, anything related to batteries. This was, mm. you know, in the eighties and nineties, um, your fuel cells, batteries, so we worked for everybody, Bose, Hewing, all the space guys. Mm. Um, and I told the, the, these guys were going to invest in a car company. I said, you know, I wouldn't do it. I, I don't, I think they're going to go bust, right? I, I, I think they've got great tech. They can't manufacture this in volume. There's no way. My guy said, mm. there's no way they can make this in volume. Um, you know, 10 years later, five years later, something like that, I got a call. I said, hey, we're, uh, we're going to invest in a, a, a fund. It's going to be listed. In on in Germany, it's gonna be water about all about water, water purification technology. And it's similar to some of the stuff. You know, we need a CEO to run it and to build a venture capital firm. We know you, we trust you. The other guys are in London, um, and they're looking for somebody in London. We're in America. 
we couldn't agree on the last CEO. We're ready to put in the money, you know, and I use that to buy the, the down payment of my house, right? So yeah. that was somebody new. And I said, well, we'll send somebody over, um, you know, you go meet them in London. And uh, if they like you, you're in. Mm. And it turns out the guy went to university in my hometown from the oh, other wow. side. So my wow. guys knew me. And he sent somebody, he says, uh, we're sending a car to your house. I was like, great. I, you know, you give the day. I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll give the day. And they said, bring your passport. They flew me to a private thing. I flew to Switzerland with the guys from London. <laughs> they talked to me. They met the money guys in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. And they both said, yep, this is the guy. Yeah, we talked about, you know, where I grew up. And, um, you know, and he had gone to that college, same college town in Amherst, Massachusetts. Um, so we, you know, we knew the same restaurants and stuff. And he's like, well, if they, you Americans trust you and I trust you, you just got to get by the Swiss guy. Yeah, the Swiss yeah. guy, hey, he knows what he's doing. We'll back him. And yeah. so I had, you know, my first public, you know, first CEO of a publicly traded company, you know, a week later. Wow. Wow. But that was because I worked hard and I gave good information. It was, mm-hmm. I was on it. And even some of the companies that gone bust, those guys called me, you know, those investors, hey, Sean, I'm thinking about putting money in this tech. What do you think? Yeah. You know, so if you're hard, and that will, that will come back in, in your yeah. later year, which you know, the people that you've met in your life that you will do business mm-hmm. again. Whether they lost money, made money, or failed. Yeah. But you know the ones that might have made you money, but you do not trust. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's and a really interesting point. It might be small, but it accumulates over the course of a lifetime. And even mm. the guys that do make a lot of money because they were in the right place at the right time, they'll never be respected. And mm. people will hate them. You know, yeah. and I I just, you know, I didn't for me it was less about the making the money. I just want to be associated with the right things and the mm. right priority. Money or not, you know, after a certain amount, it doesn't really matter anymore. You know, after the first bits. Yeah. I, and again, everything sort of points to that, doesn't it, really? Um, but the quality of relationship does matter. And that's what that's that's quite an interesting point that you pulled out there. And I'm I'm curious, Sean, though, listening to you talk, um, you, you talk about this company and then you exited that company, exited. How do you know when it's time to leave? Or time to exit is probably a better expression. I think it's a personal thing. For me, it was, it was never about the, the money side of it. Usually when the company is like 150, 150 people, and I can't, and I don't know everybody, mm-hmm. it's hard to keep figuring out what's going on. Like, I'm not, I'm not the guy to take, you know, to go from 100 million to a billion. I'm the guy to mm-hmm. get to 100 billion when it's smaller and, and I, can, I can meet with people because as the companies get bigger, it starts to become more and more politics, right? Yeah. Everybody reporting to you, everybody you meet. I mean, I say this kind of facetiously, but true. everybody's going to lie to you, right? As the CEO yeah. and the founder and the chairman of the board or whatever, everybody's going to lie to you. It's not a bad thing mm. because you know that, but you have to understand why everybody's lying to you and understand the perspective. Yeah. And even the team, even the people, because everybody's going to come and give the world from their perspective. And when it starts to get, you know, 100, 200, 300 people, then you're relying on second and third hand information. It becomes harder and harder. And it's a different set of management skills that mm. I, I don't think I have. And, right. uh, I, you know, I might have some of them, but I've, I've never explored them. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not the guy to sit behind a desk and run a really big company. And I know yeah. that and I've always been really straightforward with my investors. I said, listen, when the time is right, you know, a year before IPO, two years, whatever, I'll sit on the board. Heck, I'll find somebody else to, to make me rich. 
I, I'm mm. happy to step aside when I'm not comfortable, you know, and I'm not, you know, I'm not the right person. Like mm. I, I want to see, for me, it's about getting the idea to see it successful. Like the digital wall say, oh my God, this is amazing. And seeing yeah. it come to fruition with the blockchain and knowing that I met some of the founders of, you know, Ethereum, I helped the Ethereum guys. Um, they hired a classmate of mine at LBS. I, I introduced him to one of their first accountants because they said, hey, how mm. do we, how does it work? How do we account for us? And I, I don't know, I'm busy, but let me introduce you to somebody. So I was, you know, on the, on the perfect, but I, now I can see it. It's a huge success. Did I make money? Yeah. I, I have a few, a few digital assets, uh, you know, five <laughs> years more other people and, you know, uh, accountant is retired <laughs> now, but you know, it, it was just to be around those people and, and to see the yeah. stuff that they were doing. But, you know, those are the ones that made it, but you know, five of the other groups never did. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. So, I mean, it sounds like, Sean, life is busy. And we said at the start, I mentioned um, sailing, uh, getting into the mountains and tennis. Is that how you recharge your batteries? Uh, not tennis so much anymore. Um, I was really competitive at it and, you know, had rankings and stuff and youth, but it, it's bad on my knees on the hard mm -hmm. courts. And I played mostly on the hard courts. So I've had to give up tennis. I watched my kids play a little bit of tennis. Um, but mostly it's the sailing and the hiking. And um, I really like being up at high altitudes and, you know, where it's hard. Not, mm. I mean, beautiful walk is always good, but sailing and hiking, I, I think it's the meditate, it's the meditativeness, the repetitive. Yeah. And that, 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 that part of you is really focused on what you're doing. And part of you can go somewhere else, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, uh, yeah. which is rare in sports and physical activity, maybe like mm -hmm. swimming. Um, it's something like that. But I really like the meditativeness and, if you've ever been on a, uh, a really, really high mountain, like, you know, I've mm -hmm. done, I made it past the base camp at Everest, I've summited Kilimanjaro. I want to kind of, you know, and I, I don't have to get to the summits. When you said likes to climb mountains, the, to me, it's not about getting to the top. You know, Everest, okay. I was not going to pay the money it took to get to the top, nor was mm -hmm. I going to put my life in danger. But I got to the base camp, which is very, yeah. very safe, right? And you can watch the idiots going by. You go to the ice <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I remember seeing that ladder and I was, you know, like, what am I going to do? So I was helping them ferry some stuff, packages. You get to the, uh, you know, aluminum ladder, two ladders lashed together over a crevice that's moving. You know, you can go back three days later and it fall yeah. through and they put it somewhere else. I'm like, no, nah, that's not for me. I can look at it. I can appreciate it. But, but it's like when you're, it, you know, it's very hard to take a step. And it's like meditation. You're doing the same thing over. And it doesn't matter how rich, how, it doesn't matter whether you're married, divorced, everything in your mind falls away and the only thing you're focused on is putting one foot in front of the other and it's hard because your body is saying sit down and go to sleep yeah like walk yeah. to it's just hard you're like it's making you dizzy you have to put one foot in front of the other and that's it's it's this repetitive you know mm. it's, it's like a meditation it's like a mantra and then an hour later you're you're you know you've moved 100 yards or something um and so it just strips away everything else and so when I have big decisions, it was always really nice because you come back and it almost, it makes you know who you are because yeah. all the things that aren't important fall away. Mm. Right? You could be doing that with somebody famous or somebody, you know, doesn't matter. The person next yeah. to you, if they're good, if you get along, it comes to the forefront because nothing yeah. else matters. And so I, I find it's like very, it's like cleansing, you know, and it's physically challenging, but for me, it's more the mental it's my, and sailing. Yeah. When you're sailing with the right people or on crossing oceans, like I don't race boats, but uh, a little bit, but you know, sailing across an ocean is, is, is similar and I don't get to yeah. do that much 
anymore, but you know, you can do a day here, a, a day there. Yeah. It's yeah. Fun. yeah it sounds, I mean, I, I get that, uh, that need, uh, like you say, just to that meditative state, just to clear your mind of everything yeah. and just, and just, and it's a beautiful, powerful thing, isn't it? It's just incredible yeah. how that, that impacts. Let's what, we, um, what to you, what would you're done with that? What comes back is what's important. Mm. Right, that that yeah. always rises to thing, things that aren't important fall by the wayside. Yeah. And it's, it's great to get that rebalance in life and just remind yourself what are the big rocks, right? And just um, and focus back in on those again. Um, question box, Sean. Ooh. This is where I rifle through some questions. You're going to tell me when to stop, and we're going to ask that question. Stop. Okay. So... Talking about Bill Gates, no. if you were in charge of the Bill Gates Foundation but could only spend the funds tackling one issue, what would it be? Yeah, that's a good one. I actually know some people who've worked at the Bill Gates Foundation. <laughs> I mean, of course that was you do. A, a internal debate. It's interesting. A few years ago, I would have said the environment, and now I would have to say climate change. So you separate the environment and climate change into two different things? I would definitely say it was, well, I think they merged into two things. Mm. Yeah, because climate change, there, there's definitely a technology play, but there's also a humanitarian yeah. play. I think it affects everything else. So if you look at all the things that Gates Foundation is investing in, mm. a lot of it is starting to become climate change driven, you know, and I think that's the biggest mm. issue, you know. Um, so uh, a year ago, uh, the May 4th, uh, there's May, May the 4th be with you. Yeah, things Star Wars all Day. The world. Yeah. 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 And so last year I was at this gala event. Uh, a friend of mine invited me. Uh, he had one of his companies does something mm. in space. And so I got to go and meet one of the last people who ever walked on the moon, um, wow. an American astronaut. And I got that they had probably about 15 other astronauts there. And to me, that was like a, a best night out, right? Talking to, because I always wanted to be an astronaut. I was too tall and I was too blind. Like I'm blind <laughs> almost in one eye. Right. Which made tennis hard because I, I have very say. big. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so. I got to talk to them, and one of them said something that has stuck with me forever. Mm. Um, you know, it, it is, I think, is something that haunts me forever. She said, "This a Japanese astronaut," and she said, "When I was up there, I was far, and I, I could see the whole Earth, and there was a thin layer that was the atmosphere." And she goes, "And it was that big, and I could see the whole curvature. And it was that big." It was nothing. And you look and there's the blackness of space and all the stars. And you realize, one, how small the earth is. And that's what's mm -hmm. protecting us. That's gone. You're Mars. Yeah. And you're far enough away. It's so small relative to the earth. It's such a small little thin layer. It's like, I felt like I could go and blow it away. Yeah. And I, and I said, so what do you do? She goes, I'm an environmental. <laughs> You know, and that kind of dawned on me. And I think if like, if everybody, you know, if everybody could see that, you know, go out there and see how, how small this world is, mm. uh, you know, that's one of my favorite pictures I have right over there. Uh, 
Earthrise, you know, from the Apollo, mm. you see the Earth yeah. small. Yeah. I'll keep it there as, you know, I, I look at it. And that's what she said. She said, it's so small, that thin layer that we're in. Mm. And I think if everybody saw that, I think it would, you know, it would help things. Yeah, that's powerful. I'd have to agree with you, actually. I think, yeah, I mean, there's a few things that you'd spend that money on, I suppose. But, you know, the environment and climate change, I think, is, is definitely high up on the list, isn't it? It's got to be. Because yeah. um, I think got, not for the sake of me. But, for more yeah. people than anything else. Yeah, it's it it fascinating. Short the long yeah. term. Well, listen, Sean, I'm aware of time, but and it's it's got away from me yet again, uh, as it always does. Um, if people want to reach out to you, if people want to connect, find out more about what you're doing over at Sentinel Digital, how, what's the best way to do that? Sure. Well, I don't do social media. Um, I don't know about you, but for me, life is way, way too busy <laughs> for that. Um, but you can always find me on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll connect with people on LinkedIn that uh, that I meet, but I'll, I'll I'll answer. I try to answer everybody on LinkedIn, yeah, mm. and, uh, and and try to see if there's a connection. Yeah, fantastic. And we will, of course, link to that uh, in the show notes and the website for Sentinel Digital. What's that? Uh, it's www sentinel hyphen digital. Oh, sorry, Sentinel spelled S N T N L hyphen digital dot com, and that that's all also on my LinkedIn page. Yeah, fantastic. Well, listen, Sean, it has been an absolute treat, man. Uh, I've yeah. really enjoyed the conversation, just talking about stuff I don't normally get to talk about, which is always quite nice and uh, pick your brains a little bit. So thanks for coming on the show. Um, thanks for sharing your wisdom and just putting it out there, man. And uh, it sounds really exciting what you're involved with. Uh, really exciting. And um, I mean, I'm imagining you're, you're quite a cool bloke to meet down at the pub for a pint. Well, next time you're in... Uh my neck of the woods, not that far from London. You know, feel free, Matt. I'd love to have a pie with you. Hopefully, on a nice sunny afternoon like today. <laughs> I'll hold you to that. That sounds great. Uh, Sean, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you, Matt. Bye bye. Well, we will, of course, link to Sean's information in the show notes, which you can get along for free, along with a transcript at pushtobemore.com, or it'll come direct to your inbox if you've signed up to the newsletter. So a huge thanks again to Sean for joining me today. And of course, a big shout out to today's show sponsor, Orion Media. If you are wondering if podcasting is a good marketing strategy for your business, do connect with them at orionmedia.com. That's A-U-R-I-O-N media.com. Uh, and reach out to the guys, tell them I said, hey. <laughs> but be sure to follow uh, the Push To Be More podcast wherever you get your podcasts from because we've got more great conversations lined up and I don't want you to miss any of them. And in case no one has told you yet today, you are awesome. Yes, you are. Created awesome. It's just a burden you have to bear. Sean has to bear it. I've got to bear it. And you've got to bear it as well. Push To Be More is produced by Orion Media. You can find our entire archive of episodes on your favorite podcast app. The team that makes this show possible is Sadaf Bainan, Estella Robin, and Tanya Hutzelak. Our theme music is by Josh Edmondson. And as I mentioned, if you would like to read the transcript or show notes, head over to the website pushtobemore.com, where, incidentally, you can also sign up for the newsletter that I mentioned. That's it from me. That's it from Sean. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a fantastic week wherever you are in the world. I'll see you next time. Bye for now.